Well, you know, one of my favourite memories was a number of years ago, this was before I was married and I was travelling Europe with a friend and we were in Spain and we'd been travelling for about a month and we're at this restaurant having dinner and my friend turned to me and she said, Beck, you know, I love travelling with you. You're a great companion, but you're the only person I've spoken to in the last month. I would really like to talk to someone else. Can we please go out and meet some other people? Look, I was a bit taken back, but I've been best friends with her since I was born. So I thought, all right, she's had enough of me. And if she wants people, I'm gonna give her people. And so the next morning we went, we were in San Sebastian. We went to all of these different tourist sites and I made a point that at every tourist site, I would meet at least one person and I would invite invite them along to dinner that night. So fast forward six hours of sightseeing, we get back to the hotel. My friend says, oh, Beck, so how many people are coming to dinner tonight? And I said, oh, probably about three or four, maybe five. So we get dressed and we head down to the lobby. And to my horror, there was about 35 to 40 people there. So it turns out every single person I invited along with their mother and sister and brother came along. And not only that, hardly any of them could speak fluent English. Um, And so I freaked out for a little bit, but we eventually found this restaurant and it had these beautiful long tables and we sat down and we were laughing and we were sharing stories. And to this day, it's still one of my favourite memories because as I looked around, I was with people from all over the world, citizens from all of these different countries, from Australia to America to Malaysia to Spain and Italy and Singapore. You see, every single one of us is a citizen of a country. Whether that be Australia or somewhere international, we each hold a citizenship and it's beautiful. It's the way God has designed it. But there is one particular citizenship that I would love us to focus on. And this citizenship isn't of this world, it's of another. And so if you have your Bibles, why don't you come with me to Philippians chapter three. This is a letter that Paul wrote to the church of Philippi uh, while he was in prison in Rome. And Paul had a really close relationship with this church. He had planted it from scratch along with Silas and Timothy. And so there was this really strong connection there. And he writes this letter while he was in prison to thank them for their generosity um, for him being in prison. But also he wanted to encourage them because false teachers had come into the congregation and were teaching and they were telling this church how to live. And so Paul steps in, he intervenes, and in verse seven, he says, Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. For I've told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows that they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things and they think only about this life here on earth. But we, we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we are eagerly awaiting for Him to return as our Saviour. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like His own, using the same power with which He will bring everything under His control. I believe the Spirit of God is wanting to remind His church, you and I, that when it comes to our life, our ultimate citizenship is in heaven. We do not belong to this world. We belong to heaven. The moment you and I put our faith in Jesus Christ, we're born again. We're born into a kingdom of God where His rule and reign is established over our lives. No longer are we citizens of this world. That is why Jesus says in John 17, they are not of this world just as I am not of this world. You see, if you are here today and you are a Bible-believing follower of Jesus Christ, this world, it isn't your home. 
what you're going through, what you're experiencing now, ultimately it's not your home. Your home is in heaven. In fact, the Apostle Peter refers to us as aliens, temporary residents, foreigners of this world. You see, when you're a citizen of a country and you travel to another country, people will often be able to tell that you're a foreigner, that you're not from that place. For example, if I as an Australian was to go to Switzerland, I may possibly pass for looking Swiss, but people would soon be able to tell that I'm a foreigner because I don't speak the language. I don't have their accent. I come from a completely different culture. Now in Paul's day, Philippi was surrounded by Roman culture. It was a Roman colony. Therefore, as citizens, they were expected to promote the interests and practices and culture of Rome. In fact, some of them prided themselves on being Romans, dressing like the Romans, speaking Latin. And so in light of this, Paul writes to the church in Philippi and says, your ultimate citizenship is not in the Roman Empire, but it is in Jesus Christ. In other words, your ultimate citizenship is not found in this world, it is found in heaven. And I wonder today if the people in our world, if the people in our workplace, in our universities, in our families, our schools, I wonder if they can tell that we are citizens of heaven. I wonder if they can tell that we are foreigners that we have a different accent, that we think differently, that we act differently, that we talk differently. I wonder if they can tell that our values and culture is not of this world. I believe a challenge that the church has faced, especially over the last decade, is that we have blended into society. We've either adopted or never let go of the values and the culture of this world. We're acting like everybody else. We're talking like everybody else to the point where people can't actually tell that we are Christians. They can't tell that we are carriers of the Spirit of God. I mean, we could be in our workplace, at a cafe, on our university campus, and people could literally not know that they're sitting next to someone that is full of freedom and healing and life and hope. Can I remind us this morning that the day and age in which we are living in, with society becoming increasingly secular, with the enemy ramping up deception from every angle, more than ever, we as followers of Jesus need to be clearly identified. Why? Because we've been placed on this earth to see His Kingdom come and His will be done. We are agents of change, but we cannot change this world if we are exactly the same. The fundamental difference between a citizen of heaven and a citizen of this world is that a citizen of heaven is thinking about eternity, thinking about the things above, whereas a citizen of this world is only thinking about the things of this earth. When Paul was writing this passage, he was referring to the church. He said people in the congregation are only thinking about this life here on earth. They're not living for God. They don't wanna know what His will is. They're not hungering after the presence of Jesus or meditating on His Word. They're not thinking about heaven. They're thinking about themselves. They're thinking about their own personal needs and desires. This world, our society is all about fulfilling its own desires. It's about self. And to be honest, self comes really naturally to us. You know, let me just give you an example. If someone was to take a photo of you and your friends or your family, and then they were to show you that photo, who's the first person that you look at? Yourself. I do it all the time. I'm guilty of it. But this is just a small mentality of the type of culture our society is creating. 
It's about self, living for ourselves, focusing on how much money we have in the bank, how many followers we have on TikTok or Instagram, how have we got the latest phone, car, pram. Can you believe there is a hierarchy when it comes to prams? My husband and I recently experienced this or doing everything we can to get ahead in our career, trying to secure that position or that title, spending a fortune on our appearance. This is how society thinks. Now, don't get me wrong. These things aren't bad in and of themselves, but how many of us know that they're only temporary? They're not what we live for. In fact, the Bible makes it very clear that as Christians, we don't live for this world, we live for the next. We have eternity, we have heaven in mind. Paul says in Colossians 3:2, feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm and fill your thoughts with heavenly realities. Another translation says, think about the things of heaven not the things of earth. I wonder today if we were honest with ourselves, how much do we think about the things of heaven? In fact, how much do we think about heaven in general? Pastor Masella and her husband Maurice and I were saying this last night. You know, it's not often that we think about heaven. I mean, we open up the Word, we read about streets of gold and cherubim, but I think it becomes a little bit too abstract for us. And so we put it into this, I don't know, boxed, and we think, oh, that's just somewhere we're gonna go when we pass away. And Really, heaven then isn't a reality in our life. We just go about doing our daily tasks and chores and sort of forgetting about heaven. Whereas for Paul, heaven was such a reality. In fact, in his writings, it was one of his major themes. And I believe the reason why heaven was so real for Paul was not just because of his circumstances. It wasn't just because he was suffering and thinking about an afterlife. I believe the reason why heaven was so real to Paul was because he lived a life in communion with God. He lived a life where he would fast and where he would pray and he'd meditate on the Word of God and he would set his mind on the things of heaven. He would allow what Jesus accomplished through his death and resurrection to become a reality in his life. And you know, I know that you're in a season right now, a period of prayer and fasting. And I know that you've been praying and that we each have a different way of meditating on Jesus and reading the Word of God. But if I could just encourage you, one thing that I have found so powerful that I have done in my own life is the sort of the act of taking communion regularly. So I actually take communion nearly every day and I will wake up in the morning, my little son will have his first nap of the day and then I get to the dining room table and I sit down and I focus on a different aspect of the cross every day. And so, for example, I might focus on righteousness, the fact that Jesus took our sin so in exchange, He could give us His righteousness. And so I would take the elements at my dining room table and I would thank Jesus that He has made me righteous, that He has clothed me in righteousness. And then what I would do is I will pray for that very righteousness to be released over my family, over my husband, over my kids, over my teams, over my community. And every morning as I do this, every morning as I focus on what Jesus accomplished at Calvary, a heaven is released over my life and my mind is set on the things above. So the things of this earth, the temporary things that I may have been stressing about that morning or worrying about the problems that I face, they seem so small and insignificant in comparison to what Jesus accomplished on the cross. You know, one of my favourite songs, which you'd be familiar with, says this, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. 
Look full in His wonderful face and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in light of His glory and grace. When we place our mind on the things above, when we set our mind on heavenly realities, it suddenly gives us perspective. I remember hearing someone describe perspective as the ability to put things in their proper place. You see, before Paul was a Christian, his whole world was about his achievements. It was all about how much money he had, what his social status was, keeping up with religious appearance. But the moment he had an encounter with Jesus, the moment his eyes were open to the Kingdom of Heaven, suddenly all of his achievements, all of his worldly success, what people thought about him, what people said about him, they seemed so small and insignificant. He says this in verse seven, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For His sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with Him. And I don't know about you, but it can be so easy to look at the things of this world. It can be so easy to look at our career and our appearances and our wealth and our status, even our relationship status. And it can be so easy to make them bigger than what they truly are. Paul says it's because of what Christ has done, because of His death and resurrection, because of His great love that the things of this world aren't important anymore. What is important is that Jesus paid the price, that He has set us free, that He has given us salvation that we are redeemed, delivered, accepted. And according to Ephesians 2.6, it says that we have been raised with Christ and are now seated next to Him in the heavenly realms. We have been seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. Some translations say heavenly places. Just think about that for a moment. That means when we look at the things that are going on in our life and we look at our problems and challenges, we're not just looking at them from an earthly position. We have the ability to look at them from heaven's position. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I know the higher up you go, the smaller things become. And you know, a couple of years ago, I heard Jen Johnson describing a vision that she had. She was going through a really hard time. Jen Johnson, sorry, is from Bethel Church in America. And her and her husband were going through this hard time. There was a particular problem that they were facing. And she said that all she could think about was this problem. She just couldn't get it off her mind until one day she locked herself in her room and she started to pray. And as she started to pray, God gave her a vision. And in this vision, she sort of left her house and was taken up all the way to heaven. And she remembers seeing herself go through all the galaxies. She was just going up and up and up. And then God came and sort of stood next to her, came beside her and said, Jen, can you see the world? Can you see the planet? And she said, no. And he said, can you see your problem? And she said, no. And then all of a sudden she opened her eyes and she was back in her room again. And she went on to say that her problem didn't necessarily change, but her perspective did. Her perspective had changed. Suddenly it was about what mattered eternally, that God was in control. Can I submit to you today that it's not our problem that God is wanting to change, it is our perspective. You know, when I was 21, my dad passed away. I'm an only child and it was, it was a really full on time. And I remember so many people coming to me saying, oh, Beck, this is awful. This is horrible. You're so young. Your dad's not coming back. And everything they were saying was so hopeless and so disheartening. And I remember having just to withdraw and I got into my room as well. I got onto my knees and I started to seek the face of God. I started to pray and I said, God, I need your perspective on this situation. 
I don't know how I feel right now, but I need heaven's perspective. And as I prayed this, I started getting all of these, like the memories that I had with my dad started flashing before my eyes. Memories where he would pray with me, where he would open up the Word of God and show me how to read the Bible. Memories of me being filled with the Holy Spirit, praying in tongues and then running over to dad saying, Dad, look at this language that I can now pray. And as these memories started to flash before my eyes, I just was filled with this overwhelming sense of gratitude and gratefulness to God that I had a loving Christian father for as long as I did. You see, heaven's perspective was not what I had lost, it was what I had gained over 21 years. That because of my dad's passion, yeah, he's so good. Because of my dad's passion for the Word, I'm now in love with the Bible. Because of his faith, I gave my life to Jesus. Because of his heart for the lost, I now have a desire to see every single person in my world come to know the grace of Jesus. And one day I'm gonna go to heaven's gates and I'm gonna see my dad again. I could have looked at my situation with an earthly perspective and been bound and confined by grief and loss. And don't get me wrong, there is always a place for grief, but I could have let it bind me for years. I could have remained a victim for the rest of my life, but instead I chose to see these situations from heaven's perspective. And I'm not sure what you're going through today. You may be going through a very big challenge. Maybe there's loss in your life right now and whatever that looks like, I want you to know that God sees the bigger picture and heaven's perspective awaits your situation. You see, we have not been called to be victims. That's how the world operates. Citizens of the world live in victimhood, but our Bible says that we are more than conquerors through Him. We have victory in Christ Jesus. We are victors through what He accomplished on that cross. Whatever situation it is that you're going through, however you look at yourself, whatever happened in your past, whatever challenges are in front of you, when you get into the presence of God, as you're doing even over the past couple of weeks in prayer and fasting, as you fix your eyes on Jesus, heaven lifts you up out of your situation and you get a clear perspective, you get true perspective of what's going on. Would the band join me please? You see, when our perspective changes, our life changes. When we take heaven into consideration, it changes the way we live. C.S. Lewis once said this, if you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were precisely those who thought about the next. It is since Christians have largely, sorry, it is since Christians have largely ceased to think about the other world that they have become so ineffective and this. I believe this is why Paul was reminding the church that they were citizens of heaven because when our mind is set on the things above, when our mind is set on eternity, when our mind is set on another world, it will change the way we live our life in this world. You suddenly realise that all your material possessions, your job, your title, the money, the opinions and accolades of man, none of them are coming with you to heaven. None of them last for eternity. The only two things, I want you to hear this this morning. The only two things that are going to last for eternity are God and people, nothing else. Just God and people. I wonder if this is why Jesus says the two greatest commandments are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul and mind and to love your neighbour, people, as yourself. When you have a revelation of this, you start to live differently. Suddenly life isn't about our own agenda and what God can do for us, but it is about His agenda and what we can do for Him. 
You see, too often these days, the Gospel has become all about our agenda. God, would You give me this? Jesus, can You do this for me? Because of what You did on the cross, would You bless me and bless me and give to me and bless me? Whereas old school Gospel says, Jesus, I give You my life because of what You did on the cross. I lay my life down as a living sacrifice that it is all about You. It is about Your agenda and Your Kingdom come and Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, maybe you're in this place today and you would say, I'm not a citizen of heaven. I don't know much about this other world that you speak of. I've heard that heaven exists, but I don't even know if that's a reality. Can I tell you this morning that heaven is a reality and there is a person called Jesus Christ that came to this earth 2000 years ago and went to unimaginable lengths to secure an eternal life for you. He went all the way to a cross and on that cross, He took the penalty of our sin, our mistakes, our failures upon Himself. The Bible says that this is how we know what love is, that Christ laid His life down for us. But why did He do that? Why did He allow Himself to go to a cross to stay there when He could have easily come down, but He decided to stay there? He did it because He knew that three days later He would resurrect from the grave, breaking the power of sin, Satan and death over all of humanity so that we could have a relationship with God. You know, I don't know where you're at this morning. Maybe you don't have a relationship with God. Maybe you once did and you've sort of walked away. You wouldn't say that you've even engaged in conversation with Him recently. Well, why every eye is closed in this place for privacy, I wanna give you an invitation to put your faith in Jesus. Or if you've walked away to come home again and say, God, I wanna live as a citizen of heaven. I wanna focus on a life eternal, not just what is here because it will soon pass away. I want my life to mean something. I wanna be filled with purpose and blessing and hope and peace. And so if that is you this morning, can I just ask that you give me a wave? Beautiful. Beautiful, I see that hand. I see a hand up the back. Beautiful, I see a hand to my left. This is so, God is moving, is speaking to people. You know, we're all gonna say a prayer together and this prayer isn't something that we do out of tradition, it's not a religious thing. What it is, is it's a confession of the decision that we're making, you're making this morning in your heart, but we're all gonna pray it together. Why don't you pray after me? Dear Lord Jesus, I'm sorry that I've excluded you from my life. I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and life. Today, Jesus, I've decided to follow you as my Lord and Saviour. Come on, why don't we give a hand to all those that gave their life to Jesus this morning. More citizens of heaven, we are cheering you on. We are so proud of you. And I know some of the team would love to be able to speak to you after the service. But I just wanna finish on one thing this morning. Why don't you stand with me? But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we are eagerly waiting for Him to return as our Saviour. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like His own using the same power with which He will bring everything under His control. We eagerly await for the return of our Saviour. There's gonna come a day where every single one of us will be face to face with Jesus. 
And we're going to have to give an account for the way that we lived our life here on earth. Did we live our life as a citizen of this world, blending into society, acting like everybody else, talking like everybody else? We might've gone to church every Sunday and mentioned to our friends here or there that we are a Christian, but our lives never really showed it because we were so fixated on our agenda and the things of this world. Or did we live our life as a citizen of heaven? where we stood out from society because we were carriers of the Spirit of God, because we were representing heaven. And the way we lived our life was not that of this world, but was that of the Kingdom, where we stood firm in faith and were strong and courageous, where we waited on the Lord and renewed our strength. We soared on wings like eagles, never growing weary or faint. We were filled with a peace that surpassed all understanding. We were made disciples of all nations, baptising them in the Name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. We trusted in the Lord with all our heart and we clothed ourselves in humility. We rejoiced always, we prayed continually, we gave thanks in all circumstances. We were patient in tribulation and we blessed those who persecuted us. We held fast to what is good and kept in harmony with one another. We did what was right. We sought justice. We defended the oppressed. We took up the cause of the fatherless and pled the case of the widow. We moved in the power of the resurrection and we saw a demonstration of the Spirit of God. The supernatural, miraculous, life-giving Spirit of God was released into our lives, into our community and into the nations of the world. I wanna tell you this morning that this world doesn't need to hear about Christianity. They need to see a demonstration of it. It's not about saying you are a Christian, it's about being a Christian. It's not about going to church, it's about being the church, releasing heaven into the lives of those around us.